Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you all very much for tuning in. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and threads. I am at primetimeklein, twitch.tv slash primetimepk, and you can email the show couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. A lot of quick hitters on the show today as we head into MLB's All-Star break. Um, we are going to get caught up on what's going on with the Blue Jays, get caught up on what's going on around Major League Baseball, and look at a big trade that happened in the National Hockey League. Uh, so thank you all so much. Hope you enjoyed the UFC previews. Uh, busy over the weekend, have not been able to catch the UFC podcast or uh, the UFC po- pay-per-view. That's the word I'm looking for. The UFC pay-per-view just yet, uh, but we will get to that a little bit later on. So thank you all so much for tuning in today. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein, and this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about. But might have fallen asleep for during history class. Or social studies, however you learned history in high school. Each week, we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need to top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! We begin in the National Hockey League, and we begin with a tough one for a Canadian team as the Ottawa Senators are forced to trade Alex Dabrinkit. He didn't want to sign there, and so they have made a deal uh, to send him off to the Detroit Red Wings for not a lot. Um, it's a tough one for Ottawa. They, they go out, they go all in uh, last offseason and go out and acquire Dabrinkit. And as I close the window behind me... Um, Remember all the talk of the time? Hey, is this roster actually better than Toronto's? Is this top six the best top six in the end? Uh, no, turns out uh, turns out it wasn't. And look, I don't want to rag on any team that makes a win-now type of a move because in an era of tanking, and especially in a year where tanking was quite the thing, um, this was, this was a, a team that was like, you know what? We're going to try for this thing. And I greatly appreciated that. The problem is, it didn't work. And now, um, I think Pierre Dorian has done a great job, but this thing has to start turning around for him to keep that job. I think um, I think their coach, DJ Smith, is, is, is fine. Um, but I think he needs to, to turn things around for this to start turning around. Um... And by this, I mean his coaching career, uh, because DJ Smith needs this year, I think, to even just start well, if he is going to to do anything with this Ottawa Senators organization. They are at a real turning point now, and they have some young players, but they've also had some misses in the draft. And so now this is a team, I think, that needs to to really kind of pick up the pace here a little bit and to, um, to, to really get going with the within this very difficult division. So uh, looking at this from a Detroit standpoint, I mean, this is a no-brainer. Detroit goes out and gets a a guy who has the potential to be a difference maker. Maybe not the difference in winning and losing a Stanley Cup, but someone who can elevate this team to another level. And we kind of talked in our winners and losers of the offseason so far in the NHL. I haven't loved what Detroit has done. But... This can help change a whole lot of things. And so I I now look at this Detroit team as a team that now, speaking of making a step, they need to make a step if they are going to continue on with the Iser plan here. Um, He did an amazing job in Tampa Bay, and I think he really should be commended for it. 
I do believe that, again, this is a year where progress needs to be shown for, and I, I don't think they're going to fire Steve Eiserman, but this is a year where a, a step really needs to be had. For Ottawa, the return isn't great. Um, I'm, I'm a, a Kubelik believer. Um, in his pure offensive upside. But at this point, he is kind of just a middle six guy. And the, the prospect they got from all accounts isn't really a whole lot. And it's a conditional first round pick. So it, it's not a lot for a guy who, like I said, can be a difference maker for a team in Ottawa that was looking to, to move in a positive direction. And another thing that has to be a little bit frustrating is you trade him in division. Now, I... I'm not anti-trading them in division if it's the best offer you can get. If that was the best offer they could get, it's tough. It's really tough. But now you, you have made a team that is a direct competitor to you so much better um, by bringing in Debrinket. And now for Ottawa, you, you are really hoping for an elevation of a number of different players. Moving into Major League Baseball, the Toronto Blue Jays have the exact week that they needed. They take advantage of a schedule that is a little bit on the lighter side. Um, they get some key hits when they needed to. And Alec Manoa stepped up in a big time way. Um, a lot of discussion about potentially rushing Alec Manoa back. When you look at it, he gets the, the one start in the Gulf Coast League. Then he gets the start in Double A. All due respect to the Detroit Tigers, that's basically a Triple A lineup they're throwing out. So it's the natural progression anyway. Um, but the thing with Manoa is that he struggled so much, it didn't matter who he was facing. The opposition wasn't the issue. The opposition for Manoa was that he wasn't locating and he wasn't executing properly. Well, he did that. And he's done that now in back-to-back -back starts. And so I think from a Toronto standpoint, you are feeling very good about this. But you go out, you sweep the White Sox. Um, it was a sweep, right? Yeah. And then take two out of three from the Tigers. Look like it, was, it wasn't going to be. But again, the other thing we've been talking about with this Blue Jays team, and I... Don't get me started on clutch, but the Blue Jays came up with big hits when they needed them to. They were fine getting hits. It was just those important moments of the game when you needed a hit. This Blue Jays team was not getting it, and now they've been getting it. Um, whether it's uh, a timely hit or two from Bo Bichette or from Whit Merrifield, um, if it's a big play from Danny Jansen, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who won the home run derby tonight, which was so much fun to watch. Um... This was this was a week that I think the Blue Jays really needed to elevate themselves. Now, again, that big word that we're going to be talking about, elevate themselves. Um, and another big part of this is they were able to take advantage of the schedule when they had it and when the other teams didn't. And the Yankees stumbled. And now the Blue Jays have leapfrogged them after a long time in fourth place. The Rays have stumbled. I don't believe they're within striking distance, but the Rays stumbled. Um, the Orioles have leveled off at least so th this was this was a a blue jays team and a time in the schedule where the blue jays needed to make some hay and they did exactly that and now you look at coming out of the all-star break ryu is at least close chad green is at least close and for the most part even with manoa going down as frustrating as it has been, the Blue Jays have basically survived this stretch with essentially five major league caliber starting pitchers in their rotation. And now they're getting Ryu. And I don't know what you can expect from Ryu if he's just going to be a kind of long man out of the bullpen. I think the Blue Jays would absolutely take that at this point. Uh, they definitely need one of those. If Chad Green is going to be just another arm in the bullpen, it is so cliche, but these are 
kind of deadline moves that the Blue Jays are getting. And now, um, now the Blue Jays can make pitching maybe a slightly less, less of a priority at the deadline. Um, I think a good righty bat off of the bench is is going to be needed by this club. They have a lot of good lefty bats in different platoon situations, um, but I think they need another righty bat to, to feel comfortable with. And then, like, you can get, hopefully, a better version of this year's Mitch White and go out, maybe get another bullpen arm and try to stack things up, because this is a Blue Jays team, like... It doesn't feel like the window is closing. It feels like it's just started to open. But Vlad's going to get paid eventually. Bo's going to get paid eventually. You need to absolutely take advantage of this time and make a run for it. This is a Blue Jays team that enters the All-Star break in a playoff spot and has an opportunity to make a bit of a run here and have this turn into something that is pretty special and continue to show these young players that there is progression in Toronto. Where there isn't progression right now is in New York. And the Yankees have majorly stumbled. This offense, without Aaron Judge, and I know I'm, like, without the guy who finished second in MVP voting last year, they've struggled. Breaking news. But when you have a payroll, the likes of which the Yankees have had in the past and continue to have now, um, it's maybe not the big spending that Yankee fans would like. But when you have the resources that the Yankees have, one player getting hurt, not supposed to matter. That's supposed to be the luxury of this thing, right? Like, you... You look at how the Dodgers have built, and oh yeah, well, Cody Bellinger was an MVP, and now he kind of sucks, so we'll just bring in eight other dudes who you've never heard of. Uh, they're going to be awesome, and we're just going to move on that way. Cool? Great. Thanks. The Yankees should be doing that. Instead, Volpe is stumbling. Um, Stanton is struggling majorly. Rizzo got off to a great start. He got banged up and has not been the same since. No one has stepped up in the absence of Aaron Judge, and you look at how this roster is currently constructed. This is a team that if I think they were about 27 other teams, they'd be making some pretty drastic steps, I think, to start rebuilding. Um, this is an old roster. This is a very expensive roster. And this is, and we said it last year, and they got off to that amazing start, and then it all kind of faded, as older teams do. This is kind of just a mid-roster right now from a, a New York perspective. And certainly, like this is, this is not a Yankee team. Right? Like, I mean, it, it literally is. But this is not a team that is like, oh, yeah, this is the 2023 New York Yankees. This is just, it's a team. It's a fine team. They're right there with the Blue Jays. And all the, the injury things and all that considered, like, they're right there with the Blue Jays. Um, but it, it's just, it is not anything that seems to be progressing in the right direction for New York. Another couple of interesting teams at the deadline. The Angels. Mike Trout is hurt. Shohei Otani is almost definitely not going to re-sign there. So do you just give your fans one more half season of a bit of fun with one of the best players that the game has ever seen? Or do you try to go the rebuild route again uh, around Mike Trout and whatever is left of him and the, the amazing career that you've let waste away? So we'll see what they do. I'm very interested to see what the Mets do because the Mets have spent a lot of money, but they have said from the beginning of the, the Cohen project here that they want to be like the Dodgers. Well, one way you can be like the Dodgers is try to maximize the value of a team that isn't necessarily going anywhere. And like, I don't know what the, the ceiling is for this team. Even if it's best case scenario, like Scherzer just has not been the guy they needed him to be. Um, and it seems like you are getting now regression from McNeil and from Marte and from those types of guys. And so I, I think that this, if this is a, a mature Mets organization, this is an organization that is going to be fine with making a move 
uh, or a couple of moves, trying to bring some prospects in and stock the cupboards that way. They are always going to be spending. I think they're going to be spending for Shohei Otani. I do not see this as a team that is looking to be bad right away um, and just kind of slow build that way. That That is not what the Mets are going to do, but they're going to address the competitive issues next offseason. Uh, and I, I think that would kind of be the, the smart way to go about things right now. If you were the Mets, stock up on those prospects that you say you want to be building like the Dodgers have built and bring in some of the bigger names, whether it be through trade or free agency in the off season. Um, so there, there is that. There is the uh, Padres as well, who are kind of in the same spot. But th this one is becoming a bit more desperate, I think, from a, a Padres standpoint, given how, like, th this was kind of it, right? Like, they have spent all of the money, and I don't think they'd be fine. Oh, yeah, we'll just trade some of these guys. Like, they've, they have made their moves to get young players, turn those young players into the stars. Like, th this, this feels like it's supposed to be it from a, a Padres standpoint. And, oh boy, is it bad right now out in San Diego. Quickly, um, recorded the podcast over the weekend, uh, or that, record, or that came out last week, during just the weirdest rider game ever. Um, the, the finish has been talked about to death. It's hilarious. It's awful coaching from Edmonton. Like, even if the guy's a 10-year vet, you need to go out there and be like, hey, do not let the ball go into the end zone. Like, that, that just, that has to be something that is brought up in every conversation before every player is going out there. Like, do not let this ball go into the end zone. Um, so it's just poor coaching on the part of Chris Jones' staff. The big thing that I took away from that is how impressed I was with Trevor Harris, who just would not let his team lose. Now, could you say, like, maybe step up in that way beforehand? Sure. That's why I get frustrated about the all the arguments about clutch. But another conversation for another day. Um, but that was an excellent performance from a quarterback who needed... Uh, a bit of, or for uh, a quarterback for a team that needed a sport, uh, spark from that position, and they certainly got it. A real tough one for the Ottawa Red Blacks as they lose Jeremiah Masoli for the season on a ruptured Achilles. This kid is so talented, but it just doesn't look like the body's going to hold up for him anymore. Um, apparently, Ottawa has contacted MBT. Um, I can't imagine he comes back to this Ottawa situation. Again, aside from Toronto, the East is so wide open right now. It just, I just don't know if Ottawa is going to have the horses to get into that. And this is one of the things we've talked about before. The quarterback position, a little bit lacking in the Canadian Football League. So like we said, it was going to be a quick hitters edition. Um, as I said on the show on Friday, these are going to get more detailed. And these are going to, to really um, start to grow and start to expand as the, the show starts to evolve in the, the next chapter of my life coming up next week. So thank you all so much. Uh, again, you can find me, Twitter, Instagram, and threads. I'm at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk, and you can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Coming up later on this week, it is CFL power rankings and CFL predictions, and then Fighting Friday will go over all the big storylines coming out of UFC 290 and what sounded like an amazing show. So once again, thank you all so much, and I will talk to you all later.